Welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast. I'm your host, Jalen Rose. This week's theme, Good Shoes Take You Places, featuring Joe LaPuma. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. A show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Check us out weekly, every Thursday. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Check out the column each Thursday in a New York Post hard copy newspaper. Also, download the podcast each Thursday on Apple, on Spotify, Anywhere you get podcasts. And last, but certainly not least, rate the pod. Five is my favorite number. Leave a comment. What guests do you want to see? I'm here for you. The Renaissance Man. Every week. This week's theme, good shoes, take you places. So let me set the scene for you. I signed my letter of intent to go to the University of Michigan. I'm a Detroit native. And while in high school, I won three city championships, three PSL championships, two state championships, and one national championship. But when people talk about me, They never bring up my high school career because I became a member of the Fab Five. So we get to campus, Ann Arbor, Michigan. My late great mother, Jeannie Rose, drove me to campus in her Dodge Shadow. A couple of days later, we had practice. And when you sign a letter of intent, you're also signing an apparel deal. You're just not getting paid for it. At the time, Michigan was a Nike school. Right now, they're a brand Jordan school. So what does that mean? It means that you got to wear one of those shoes or you can't play. It ain't like, well, I know y'all got a Nike deal, but I want to wear these Clyde Frazier Pumas. It don't work like that, even though you're not getting paid. So I'm like, cool, all right. If it's like that, then I'm going to rock whatever Nikes that I want. So in the offseason, I'm rocking Deion Sanders. I'm rocking Bo Jacksons. I'm wearing what I want. But then the season started. We're in the locker room, and Coach Fisher tells us the Nike rep is coming today, and y'all about to be able to pick out the shoes y'all want to wear this year. And we were like, this is amazing. The Nike rep comes into the locker room. We cheering. We giving dap. We excited. He started dumping shoes on the floor out of the bag. They look like shoes from the 1960s that power forwards or centers would wear. They weren't stylish. They were shoes. And I was like, in my mind, at first I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be the scholar athlete that didn't appreciate Nike sponsoring a university and giving them millions of dollars. 
and I get to free advertise the shoe and wear it as an endorser, even though I'm not getting paid. So I look left, I look right, and I realize people were actually trying to pick out a shoe from that pile. And I'm like, I got to stop these shenanigans. I got to stop it. I'm not ungrateful because I was poor. But since I quote unquote got a Nike deal now because I got Michigan, I must be the person right now in the room to kind of raise my hand. And that's what I did. Like Arnold Horshack and Welcome Back Carter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The Nike rep looked over at me. Hey, Jalen, what do you think about the kicks? I think we need a different selection. I'm rocking these Bo Jacksons. Here they go in my locker. I'm rocking these Deion Sanders with a strap. Charles Barkley got a crazy kick that's not in that bag. And I don't see any Jordans. So my opinion, me personally, I'm not wearing none of those. I'm going to wear the kicks I already got. And the assistant coach, Brian Dutcher, who's currently the head coach at San Diego State, he pulled me to the side. We walked out of the locker room. He was kind of letting me know that that's not the way you behave in a situation like that. And then we went back into the locker room. I don't know what happened in that five minutes we were gone, but when I walked back in, everybody else, for some strange reason, seemed to come to a consensus that we needed more options. And the Nike rep was like, I got you. But we didn't see him again for like a month. (laughs) We didn't see him again for like a month. And the Nike rep returns. I'm not enthusiastic. I'm not optimistic. I don't know what's going to happen. He has the same bag. He starts dumping shoes on the floor. And what do you know? Multiple Jordans. High top, low top, different cuts. Red, white, and black. Red and black. Snakeskin. Charles Barkley's. Harachis. All of that. We saw the Harachis and was like, yo, Jordan got a shoe. Dion got a shoe. Charles has a shoe. Bo has a shoe. Whose shoe is this? Like, nobody's attached to this shoe. Well, this is the Fab Five shoe right here. And we started rocking Harachis. We rocking these. You like it, well? You like it, Big New? You like it, Jim Jam? You like it, Ray Money? And once we took the floor and rocked the Harachis, we made history. My next guest has a love for shoes as well. And they have taken him places. And up next, Joe LaPuma. What up, though? And welcome to this week's Renaissance Man podcast. This is going to be a special because you know I'm about trying to stay fly. And I'm really pleased to have one of the industry tastemakers joining me on the program today. Please welcome my brother, Joe LaPuma. What up, though? Jalen, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for those words. Really appreciate it coming from a, 
a trendsetter like you, I should say. Thank you. I appreciate the love. And I mentioned that you're a sneaker aficionado. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are a lot of other things in your life that, that make you tick. But I want to ask you about the kicks. Okay. What was the story of the first pair of kicks you actually purchased? My first pair of sneakers. So what happened back in the day is that my parents allowed me to get one good pair a year. And it, it was the good pair, but it was the good pair of the year, but it had to last the whole year, which is like, it's <laughs> positive. It's one pair of sneakers could be rough, but when you get the one good pair, it's, it's a plus. So the one that, that I remember, I remember the Jordan 6 infrared, the white and pink, which is interesting now because I do not wear white sneakers. For some reason, I just don't wear white sneakers anymore, but I think that was like one of the first good ones. Another one going into ninth grade, the Air Max 97 silver bullet with the mm. air bubble that was so elongated. And those I remember, and, and it was, it really was the, the Jason kids, the Penny Hardaways. They did a good job of getting me one per year. It had to last. And then if I used a birthday or Christmas gift for another pair, that was it. But I was always into sneakers. Always, always. You're also the host and creator mm -hmm. of Sneaker Shopping. Tell me the story of how the show was started and created. Sure. So basically, I think it was 2010. I'm, I'm bad with dates because we've done so many episodes and we actually did one and then we stopped. So 2010, Jim Jones was doing press. Ballin was big and he was trying to follow it up. And I think we gave him a cover. And, you know, Jim, he is such a good personality that you put Jim on camera, you're going to get great stuff. So it's like I call it the faux pilot episode. It's in Flight Club in New York City. Fans are in the in the store. I don't think him and I are mic'd up. There's one camera and it's kind of this all over the place type of shoot. And it's him and I, and, and we go sneaker shopping. You got the DMP Jordan sixes. And then it went online for his album cycle and we forgot about it. And we never thought about doing it consistently. And then Wale had a, there's an interesting story in 2013, Wale got left off of the albums list. And it was a very like contentious top 50 album list. Wale is super passionate, felt like he was on the list. And it was kind of like this media thing with him and Complex. And I always respected him. And he, we all know, is such a big sneakerhead. Yes. So there was like this riff online and I pitched it to his publicist like, you know, me being at Complex for a few years and people knowing that I, I work at Complex and me being a fan of Wale and us kind of having that mutual sneaker connection. Let's do the sneaker shopping thing in Miami. We did it at LeBron store at Unknown and it'll just show that we're okay on camera. He even makes a joke about like a subtle joke. And that was 2014. And then Nick Young was doing press and it was only three Jalen at that point. And yeah. Slowly but surely, we built up. And for the past, I think, four years, we've been doing 36 to 42 episodes a year. And for those who haven't gotten a chance to experience mm -hmm. sneaker shopping, can you let them know, like, the magic of the show? What do you guys, what mm -hmm. makes you guys tick? What I like is that everyone has a specific sneaker story. And it relates, it, everyone's is different. Everyone's is different. One thing that I... I hate that sometimes about the show, it's not a sneaker quiz at all. It's how it could be any sneakers that you grew up on. It's just about 
kind of the personality through fashion and clothes, but also how the first good pair made you feel, how the worst pair you had made you feel. Maybe you got made fun of. Maybe you accidentally bought fakes. We have celebrities who are like, you know, I got got for fakes. All these stories are different. They're, they shape kind of what people think of now. You know, Lil Yachty, Lil Yachty got sold fakes and got laughed at in uh, middle school, I think. And now if you see, he has every, every sneaker and he goes back and, and it just tells the story full circle. So what I love about the show is that it's the, the questions are pretty basic, but it does, you get personality through footwear and it's not a sneaker quiz. We kind of tangentially relate fashion to, to sneakers. And being a sneaker fan and an athlete, I guess the, the, those is like almost like being a DJ and almost being a dancer because yes. like you're doing you're doing both. And when you brought up getting a fake pair before, mm-hmm. that reminded me of when I wanted my mother to get me some snakeskin Adidas. Yeah, and she brought home some NBAs. Oof. Oof. And in her mind, like I'm going to the NBA one day. I'm saying I'm yeah. gonna play basketball, that type of thing. But then I wore them like that, and then they clown me by calling them never bought Adidas. Oh, man. Well, I have an interesting story about fakes, too. Someone, The Tiffany Dunk in the early 2000s was my favorite. It was my grail, and I missed out on it at my skate shop. Someone from Complex, who doesn't work there anymore, is like, I have a pair, and sold it to me for a good price, and they ended up being fake. Someone like on the home team. Someone on the home team. Like, so, so we recently shot in L.A., in like end of in, in November, mid November. And there was a Tiffany dunk on the, on the store that we were sh- on the shelf of the store that we were shooting at. And I just kept looking at it the whole week. We did like five shoots and I was like, you know what? I'm going to splurge and, and, and get this. I got a good price on it, but the fake shoes, it's, you know, you get, you get caught sometimes. Everyone has, has gotten caught, I think in, in uh, their life. What is too much to pay for a pair of antique or classic kicks? Like, yeah, you know, once you become a parent, it seems like that conversation changes. And you mentioned getting things for a nice price. So mm-hmm. just give me some price points. Well, I went back. So it's all relative. On, and I'm not into cars. I'm into sneakers. I'm, I'm not even into like, you know, like my entertainment system at the apartment isn't that great. You know what I mean? And, and like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, they could be better. And it's not that I'm pushing everything into sneakers, but for instance, uh, the last dance comes out and we see Jordan wearing mm-hmm. all the shoes and we've seen Jalen, we've seen it on the shelves every time we're in a mall or every time I'm shooting. And you just remember how cool he made these classics look. And I was like two when the 1985 Jordan ones came out. So I'm just looking and I'm like, this guy made these shoes look so amazing. Then three weeks ago, I'm in Atlanta and Yachty has one of the best 1985 Jordan 1 collections. I think Yachty's 23. He was nowhere near when these came out, but he went back and these kids on Instagram are sourcing these vintage sneakers. And I'm looking at these for like six hours and the Jordan 1 85s are exploding. I think like you, you could get them for like four grand and up at the lowest. Yeah. Which is crazy. But someone gave me a good price. I got them sourced a 20 year old kid. These kids on Instagram are sourcing them. I got them for like $1,500, which, which is a lot, but it's relative in price and it's just a collector's item. And, and, you know, 
people love like $700 bottles of wine sometimes. I'm, I'm not into that. I, I right. kind of, I'm into this. And so now with the technology and the price points, where do you see this going? I think that the technology is going to keep improving. I think the signature athletes though have to get as involved as possible. You know what it reminds me of? I, I The Nike Hyper Adapts that lace themselves. I think they tried it and I think the technology was amazing, but I don't. you don't see many players wearing it. So I think that sometimes we get into too much tech for functionality could isn't isn't the best bet but i do think that brands are tech first they'll always say that and where like our audience and, and you talked about in the beginning like getting fly and things like that is how they look i think that brands and companies are always going to say that they are tech first and try to always improve it now there's there's running sneakers i think running is the best kind of example of the technology that has come out in the past few years, like the Alpha Fly. There's all these great training shoes. But to think about a Chuck Tail and how far we've came from these signature models and, and these on-court basketball shoes, it's always improving. And the trajectory of tech is always going up. But it's about finding kind of like that, that wearable tech and not trying to overdo it. You'll appreciate this. The mm-hmm. theme for this episode is good shoes take you places. Yes. Sneakers and your hit show have taken you to new heights and congratulations. Mm -hmm. What is something you'd like to accomplish next in your life outside of the world of shoes? Wow. That's a, that's a good question for me. It's about kind of, you know, basically like you don't want to be known as just the sneaker guy. You want to inspire people and you want to inspire people the right way. and, And you want to build off the, audience. It's like you want to activate the audience to do things. This this audience that you've built over here to do to do things. And I think now more than ever, it's about focusing on the next step and maybe creating the next the next product that um is more serviceable. You know, one thing that I really liked about last season is that we had Jaden Smith on the show and he donated 300 pairs of sneakers to Skid Row for his deals with New Balance. It was really, really great. And, and, you know, we had the vice president Kamala Harris on an episode and James Whitner, who, I don't know you guys, it would be great if you guys had him on here. He basically is a retail mogul and he owns over, I think, 18 sneaker stores and He just, uh, he set up like, he helped set up the whole thing. And we donated 21 pairs of extremely rare Converse made basically only for the vice president to an HBCU. And that felt really special. It felt really special because the kids are obviously interested in the, in the eye candy and the sneakers. But I think that to answer your question in a broad way, it's like getting them in somewhere and then, and then venturing out in a way that does more than just the eye candy. And you guys been crushing it. You have so many um, great guests on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, who's somebody that you enjoyed or surprised you the most? You know who I say is like my favorite because I've had comedians on the show. You know this guy. I'm pretty sure you know this guy. I've had Chris Rock on the show. I've had Kevin Hart on the show. We've had like younger comedians like Pete Davidson, Jalen, JB Smooth. That's my man. JB Smooth. I could not believe, I could not, I'm like, we didn't, this show is not scripted. I did not give you like questions before. I did not tell you how to, I'm sure he didn't even watch the show. And, and you as a basketball fan, he talks about like Michael and Pippen and stuff like that. And he's a big Knicks guy. That episode, it wasn't the biggest episode. I loved him off of Curb Your Enthusiasm and as a comedian, but 
that episode, I just left thinking comedians' minds are so sharp. And this guy, this guy was just, it, it didn't surprise me because I knew he was so funny, but to have it on the spot, to have it on the spot, I was like, it's one of my favorite episodes. And, and you know, we've had, we've had other people that, that the kids may know more, but to me, that is like pound for pound, my favorite episode. I still watch it. I'm like, I can't believe he was this quick. I can't believe it. And also, too, I wanted to give you props because uh, you're the senior VP mm-hmm. of content strategy mm-hmm. at Complex. That's a huge deal. That's, that looks good on a business card. Yeah. Tell us more about this role and how you manage right. your job and still host your own show. So the show was never, I was never supposed to be on camera. Never. So basically, I got hired as the online editor in 2006 after interning. And I loved the Complex Magazine. They had all these converging artist on the cover and I was in college and I used to go, I, I thought the, the magazine was like bi-weekly. It was bi-monthly. I would go to each, I would go to the bookstore and be like, oh, it's a new one out, it's a new one out. And then when I would get it, I'd be like, this is the magazine for me. So I got the internship. And after two years of interning, I was working at the finish line. And then I got the internship. So I was doing two days at Complex and then four at the finish line. But I got hired as the online editor eventually, and I was like, oh, this is amazing, but I want to work for the magazine. Onlinecomplex.com is great, but, and some people who knew were like, stick with online. Online is like the next thing. Like this internet thing is going to blow up. (laughs) So, so basically then when the magazine industry, you know, we don't buy as many magazines as we did, the online became prevalent. And I helped teach like editors who were such better writers and editors than me, the, the lay of the land for online. And then once video took over and YouTube, we needed series. So the career kind of went like this in terms of strategy. And when I was talking about the Jim Jones thing, when we needed a programming slate, someone suggested it in passing. I was like, Hey, why don't you, why don't we do that uh, sneaker shopping thing? And the rest is kind of history. That's the long short story. So since we're at new heights of sneaker popularity, but now that there's hype beast, yeah, there's resellers, Yes. Do you think that there's anything that can harm the sneaker culture? I think that it's always changing. I think that obviously the releases are the point of contention now. How do they do it? They tried organized lineups. It didn't work. The raffles kind of are kind of working, but then the, the sneakers app, you see it trending like the Nike sneakers app. It's very tough to get these sneakers. It's, it's like limited. It's, it's literally the definition of supply and demand. So what I would say is that the releases are always so get people worked up and, and sometimes it really like brings the worst out of people, honestly. And you know, I know back in, in I'm sure like back when, when you were coming up, they were like, it got even worse. And right. I think the releases are the thing that, Still to this day, and I don't have the answers. And and like these are the companies that the biggest companies in the world with some of the smartest people, and they're trying, but it it still is very tough to figure out because even though there the violence, like there was just even two weeks ago, the or last week, the Carmine Sixes, I believe, released, and and there was a there was like a, a thing in in the middle of COVID. There was like a almost like a stampede. Like it just is like the releases are are very tough. And it's an ongoing process and, and we'll see where it gets like in five to 10 years. And I know you got to get out of here. I appreciate you taking the time, but before I let you go, I like to do a rapid fire segment. Okay. Gone in 60 seconds. Oh boy. Okay. 
Let's get it. Okay. Most underrated sneaker of all time. Air Zoom Citizen. Look, at it's an obscure sneaker. It's an obscure sneaker that I ran cross country in that Nike hasn't brought back in a decade and a half. It's uh, I'll send uh, maybe Corey the picture or something, but it's an awesome sneaker. So that's one of my favorite. You're a UConn alum. Give yes. me your favorite UConn basketball player of all time. Easiest. The easiest. Karam Butler, by mm. far. What about a sneaker that every Renaissance woman should have in their collection? Adidas Stan Smith. And the thing about the Adidas Stan Smith is like, people will say it's a basic sneaker. It works everywhere for everyone. Besides yourself, who has the best taste in shoes? You know, I, I would say the people who are influencing now, the younger generation, Travis Scott has great taste in sneakers. And no way am I comparing myself to these people. I think that uh, LeBron's tunnel footwear is great. I think, who else? You know, I, I, there's a bunch. Like, there's a bunch of, like, people who, you know, I, I, my friend, like, Victor Cruz has a great sneaker collection. Yeah. Like, people like that. Yes, indeed. Well, I appreciate the love. Have a good afternoon. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for all you've done for, for sneaker culture. Honestly, you guys Thank you. influence Thank you. to this day. The Hirachi, new Hirachis are, are still dropping in the black socks and everything that you guys did it stays the test of time and, and props to you Thank guys you. for real. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have a good one. Take care. Last call. This week's last call is about the importance of making a good first impression. First impressions last way longer than the moment. If you don't leverage first impressions correctly, people actually might get the wrong idea about you. Making a good first impression is particularly important when it comes to meeting customers, pitching to potential clients, or simply making friends. You know what has helped me make a great first impression? How about being on time? If I'm on time and you're on time, that means we respect each other. How about smiling? Show those pearly whites. Being positive. Everybody you come across is in a storm, just came out of a storm, or will be going through a storm soon. Looking your best. Dress for the part. Showing genuine interest in the other person. Be attentive. Don't be staring at your phone the entire time. Lastly, how about just being yourself? Because everyone else is taken. Always remember, first impressions never have a second chance. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.